Okay, I will hit record and then you can... Okay, I am recording. Feel free whenever you are ready. Hi, this is Frank Allgäuer from juiceandbounce.com and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Weir with Jeff Smith. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Good work. That's good. Okay, I'm going to hit stop and I'll be right back and we'll start the show. Right. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. John Hinkle, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to be on this show. Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, your book, your ideas, your shift principles, as we say, uh, perfect, perfect, like Gen X-y, uh, life-changey moments. Um, it's almost like you were, you and I were sort of like destined to meet somehow. <laughs> like our brands are really similar, right? That was the, one yeah, of the first maybe, things yeah. I noticed when I saw your yeah, website. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe we're brothers from a different mother. There you go. It's like kismet. Uh, but, we, you know, we, we're not going to dance anytime soon. <laughs> okay. We don't want that. No, no, we don't want that. So um, you are John Hinkle. You are at uh, shiftprinciples.com, and your book is called Shift, Moving from Where You Are to the Life You Want. So talk a little bit about what you've got going on in your business and your book. Yeah. So thank you for having me on again, and I'm excited to talk to your audience and to tell you a little bit about what we've got going on. So Shift Principles is a career and life planning company, and we really help people master those transitions in their life and in their careers, helping them find clarity and purpose and achieve the goals. And uh, we really target uh, our our clients really are targeted towards Gen Xers and, um, and boomers, those people who you know, started like you and me, who started our careers with really high goals and and uh, really wanted to achieve great things, um, but maybe life got in the way. We got married, got kids, got braces, you know, college funds, mortgages, right? right. And um, yeah, and finally, and then we find ourselves in sort of our mid career, realizing that maybe we haven't achieved what we wanted to achieve in life, and and uh, maybe things are getting a little dicey at work or. Uh, you know, the ground is shifting around us and we realize that we don't have maybe a plan B and uh, we don't know, you know, if, if we lost our jobs or if something happened, we don't have a plan. We don't know how to move forward. And I think I find a lot of my clients come from a corporate world where there has been sort of this illusion of security and safety and longevity and are totally surprised when they find out that that's not really the case. That may be their aha moment or uh, in my mm. case, my case, it was sort of a duh moment, you know. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lies, you know, that I was putting my whole life, my career, my future in the hands of somebody else, and not really being intentional about what I needed to do and where I needed to go. And when I talk to a lot of people, that is, they're exactly in the same place. And mm. um, you know, we're in an uncertain world right now, and business is, you know, going. The economy is going great right now, but we've all gone through sort of a recessional recession period, and. Um, you know, a lot of people were downsized and moved out, especially in those mid-career uh, stages. Yeah, you're right. 
because you're making the big salaries and you're making, you know, all those things that companies would love to, you know, kind of cut out that layer of management or whatever. Um, and I think a lot of people are unprepared. And so shift principles kind of lays out five principles that you can use in your career, but also in life that help you uh, understand how to move from where you are to where you need to go or where you want to be. In other words, kind of how to navigate a veer in life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See what I'm saying, right? <laughs> and you know, my, I, I had an old podcast called Shiftcast. See, so you know, yeah. And I changed it to Veer Vroom Vroom Veer. So you know, hey, it's pretty. You know, Shift Veer, pretty close, yeah. right? I really like the Vroom Vroom Veer idea because it's got this like sort of like a constant motion. You can't veer while you're standing still, right? No, absolutely. <laughs> You can shift. No, it's right? great. I, yeah. I, I love it. I, yeah. I, I really actually love it. And if you would have uh, not taken it, I probably would have stolen it from you. So. <laughs> well, just so you know, there was uh, there was branding help. So I'm not the genius that came up with it. I was just like, wow, that's awesome. So it wasn't that's me. Sweet. I can't take credit. Right. Um, well, yeah. Okay, so uh, later on, we're going to talk about your big shift or what I would call veer. And that happened um, much like a lot of other people after a corporate merger. Um, so we'll, I'm, I want to get that story for sure. And then we're also going to talk later about these uh, four different phases or life shifts that we all go through that we all have to navigate. So that'll be fun. But this is Vroom Vroom Veer. So we've got to basically, um, you know, talk about embarrassing things from your past. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I'm teasing. Um, so what were, let's talk a little bit about some stories from your early childhood. So where did you grow up and what were you like as a, as a little kid? Sure. Well, let's see. Maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of interesting note is that I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, that's cool. That's and I was fun. born in, and I hate to say this because it's going to age me so much and all your Gen Xers are going to turn off. Uh, <laughs> no, but, they won't. But I was actually born uh, when it was still a territory. So, Whoa, holy cow. My, yeah. And my dad was in the Air Force. And uh, awesome. there's a lot of interesting, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stories about that. Uh, one is, and I'll, I'll just briefly do this because everybody finds this pretty astounding. But I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska. And my mother's gynecologist or OB, the person who delivered me, the doctor who delivered me. Yeah. Uh, we became good friends as everybody in Alaska does because it's, you know, there's not you, many people. people are, <laughs> yeah, there's not many people and you form friendships pretty easily. Nice. Uh, but the doctor who delivered me became a family friends. And 25 years later, I married his youngest daughter. Whoa. That so is, my father-in-law kind of handpicked me. <laughs> and, uh, this one's all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he somehow knew, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the joke, the joke I tell, and usually when my wife's with me, just because I know it aggravates her, I tell her that my parents couldn't afford the bill, and I was sort of given to them, their family. <laughs> That's good. I like it. That's fun. Well, so he oh, was yeah. was he an an active duty Air Force doctor? Yes, that's right. He was the yeah. only doctor on the base, and he was the yeah. only one that delivered babies. So yeah. Yep. So you got to experience some of what it was like to be a part of the military health system, which is always yeah. always a yeah. fun, exciting thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, really, really, I didn't much because my dad joined the Air Force when he was 16 years old. Wow. So by the time I came around and by the time I got, you know, sort of old enough to really 
you know, have lots of memories about it. He was already sort of in the reserves and kind of oh, out gotcha. of his active Okay, gotcha, but, gotcha. But, but a real cool thing about him was he was chosen to be on the sort of that secret mission to, um, to uh, oh goodness, I just forgot. Anyway, the, but he was part of the first testing of the first uh, hydrogen bomb on Guadalupe Island. Oh, wow. So, so he, uh, he was sent off on this secret thing. Nobody, it was before me, but nobody could know where he was, but uh, wow. that's what he was. He was out there launching a hydrogen bomb. So That's super scary. I just, I just went on a tour. I just, I live out here in uh, Las Vegas and I recently got a job with the department of energy and they're working on cleaning up, you know, the low level nuclear waste. Um, right. And I, they gave me a tour. Um, so I got to see what they now call the national nuclear security site. It used to be called the Las Vegas test grounds. It's where, they were testing the big bombs, the big um, nuclear weapons. Uh, out in the desert, yeah. Yeah, out in the desert, right, right. So, yeah, it was, they actually showed us the benches that you see on all those videos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they were just like these bleachers that they were like, okay, that's like far enough away, you're not going to be irradiated from here. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've told my dad it's a wonder that my genes aren't all screwed up because, uh, you know, because of that event. But, you know, we all came through it. So we all lived. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. I had no idea that for in the 50s, for several years, that live above ground nuclear testing was like part of daily life. You could actually see mushroom clouds going off from the Vegas Strip in the 50s. That's oh, yeah. Boy. I, that's, that's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ig- ignorance is uh, bliss, and that right. you know, everybody was right, right. And then they kept doing it, you know, for for years and years. At least eventually, they they figured out they should be doing it underground. But anyway, we digress. Okay, so some exciting good stories from early childhood. Um, so uh, where did you go to high school? If your was your dad done moving around by the time you got to high school? Yeah, he was. His last assignment was at Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Texas, which is where I grew up. And, um, it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Fort Worth or, um, but it's a, it's I've a great little city. I don't know if I've been to Fort Worth. I don't think so. Yeah. Fort, oh, Dallas, Fort, Fort Worth. Worth. Is, okay. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been to Fort Worth. Yeah. And yeah. And Fort Worth is sort of like Austin without the weird. I think that's how we like it. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's, I, I remember being stuck in traffic a lot. That's what I remember about Dallas, Fort Worth. But yes, yeah. Yeah. There's the traffic situation was pretty ugly when I was there. Yeah, but it's a great it's a great city to live in. Very livable, uh, just the right size. Um, so it's a great childhood. Sort of very pedestrian kind of childhood. You know, everybody knew each other. Um, I remember some people. Uh, a couple when I was young moved in across the street, and they were from Illinois, and we thought they were Yankees. And uh, <laughs> they were. <laughs> they, they lived there five years, and we still called them the new neighbors. I mean, that's just sort of sure where I. Yeah. So, so we're, it was a great. So, in in Saved by the Bell, Bell speak, were you a Zach? Were you a, a Screech? I, we we didn't nail that down. Yeah. So yeah, I knew you were going to ask this Saved by the Bell question. <laughs> right. So, right. So I, I I really stayed up all night last night trying to trying to justify who I was, and, <laughs> and it, it brought up a whole lot of really bad high school memories. I'm that sorry. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm having to 
I'm going to have to deal with. But so, yeah, so there was, you know, Zach, who was the sort of the, I don't know, he was sort of the, the leader, um, kind of a good guy. All the girls loved him, you know, sort of a heartthrob guy. Yeah. And then there was Slater, and he was sort of the jock. And then there was Screech, and he was sort of the... Academic nerd, had, right? Yeah, sort of the academic nerd guy. So I definitely wasn't Slater, because I wasn't a jock. Okay. And uh, I was probably a combination of Zach and Screech. Ah, so okay. I'll, I'll explain that. You know, Zach was sort of the, he was sort of, you know, he was on it. He was, he was the leader of everything, right? So in high school, I was not the leader of everything, but I hung out with the leaders of everything. Okay. <laughs> so that's a little bit how I was like Screech. You know, I was, I was not a nerd, but I was not, I, I, I hung out with all the groups. I was sort of the guy that was in everybody's group, but mm. I was in, but I was in nobody's group. If that makes sense to you. No, it does, um, because I kind of, I, I didn't really start out that way. I would have said that I was like, really, primarily my friends were nerds, Yeah. but they were varied nerds. You know, like I had one friend who was kind of a motorhead and liked to yeah. play with like uh, CB radios and electronics. And then another friend that was like really into computers and, and, uh, and then another friend that was really into like, uh, you know, eventually we, we all said, screw all that. It's about girls, <laughs> but, but it, it, yeah, I was like, when people ask me what I was like in high school, I say, yeah, I was a kind of a nerd, but more like an ambassador, <laughs> right? Because oh. I did. Yeah. Because I did, I had my core group of friends, but I could also, you yeah. know, go occasionally hang out with the cool kids. Not really, you know, yeah. I, you know, usually the, the cool kids wanted to hang, hang around in, with me to have somebody to pick on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't know for me. Again, I was, I was, I was a part of everybody's group and I don't oh, know nice. how that happened. That's pretty good. But I was, but I was not sort of the center of anybody's group. So if, right. that's sort of how I would describe myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're kind of like an advisor, or maybe you were doing their yeah. homework or something. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So then, um, do you have any like fun Animal House style um, college prank stories? Those are always fun. You know, mine are probably pretty mild for what I, you know, okay. what goes on, what goes on today. I mean, I think I went to school out in West Texas, and so I guess. The only thing that uh, the thing that kind of stands out in your mind when you ask that question is is sort of a little bit of hazing in a fraternity, uh, but it wasn't like hazing today. It right. was okay. It was more uh, you'd get kidnapped and driven, you know, ten miles out into the into the country and then dumped, and then you were you know had to find your way back. And these were the days before cell phones. So, wow, um, that's pretty serious. Yeah, it is pretty serious. But I remember I had the flu one time and I was in bed and and a bunch of. Um, uh, I was already in a fraternity, so a bunch of the new uh, guys were kind of came in and they kidnapped me. I remember them dragging me out to the car. I didn't have any clothes on, so they kind of gathered up some clothes and threw them at me as I got into the car. Um, I threw up because I had the flu. <laughs> I got no sympathy from them at all. They said, Mr. Hinkle, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I think I'm okay. And they said, great, get in the car. <laughs> so, Wow. So, um, okay. I got dumped out in the country and I walked and found this little motel out in the middle of nowhere and all the lights were out and I knocked on the door and somebody very carefully opened it up just a crack. And, um, I said, I'm sorry, can you tell me where I am? <laughs> and, uh, their answer was you're in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. So I said, okay, well, I need to get back to Abilene. Can you, can you, can I use your phone? So anyway, that was it. There's nothing really, really serious. Nothing like today. Well, at least you were able to find a phone, you know, and call a phone a friend, you know, yeah. you've got lots of friends in college, so you were okay there. That's fun. Yeah. Wow. See now, like whoever did that to you, if the, if they tried to do it today would probably be, you know, put in jail. Oh yeah, the the fraternity would probably have been disbanded. Been right, right, right. Different thing. Yeah, yeah. And which you know, but it also at the same time, you you'd probably they wouldn't leave you out there without a phone, and you could just call an Uber, so it would be less fun. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Boy, the world has changed. Okay, so uh, eventually you had to get out of college and get a job. So, what was yep. your first job like? Ooh, my first job, you know, I was, I live in Texas. So of course my first job was in the oil business and, um, because you know, that's, everybody has to do that. So, um, I worked for a company that is no longer in existence, but it, um, it was an oil supply company. So we sold tubing and casing to all of those, uh, companies that were drilling for oil, drilling, drilling for oil. Exactly right. Wow. Is before fracking, way before fracking, of course. And so the, the, I guess the interesting story about that was I was a really naive kind of conservative Texas boy and getting into that company was a whole new world for me because, you know, there's some rough people in the oil business. Yeah, I <laughs> and, can uh, imagine. And so it was, um, it was an eye opener. And, and I think the women that worked there were rougher than the men. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it was funny, but the thing about that was, you know, I, that was my first job. And so I, you know, kind of learned for the first time sort of how to work in a corporate environment. You know, it was sort of a training ground for me, even though right. it was a very dysfunctional, dysfunctional group. Um, I guess sort of a story around that was our, the time that I was there, the president of the company, it was a family owned business and the president of the company was a second generation. And while I worked there, he was under investigation for murdering his wife. So it was, Whoa, um, holy cow. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those, uh, you know, big Texas stories that makes national news and they've done life, you know, lifetime movies on it and all that kind of stuff. But so we, you know, we lived in this environment where we would get bomb threats and all kinds of stuff would come in. And wow. so I remember that they gave us a sort of a, um, they gave us a little sheet of paper to tell us how to handle a bomb threat if it came in. So I remember the first thing on it was you were supposed to ask a series of questions to the caller who called in the bomb threat. Right. So you were supposed, you were supposed to say, um, what's your name? You know, as if they were going to tell you, right. um, where is the bomb? When is the bomb going to go off? How do you know, you know, all these really inane questions and I was like, you know, if somebody calls me, I'm out the building. You know, I'm not going to sit around asking, you know, <laughs> with a bomber. So good luck, everybody. So. <laughs> I think I think I might be with you on that. Like, hey, wait, can I call you back from my cell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't have cell phones probably when you were doing that, though. Yeah, but that was probably my first taste of sort of that corporate um, dictates that come down that make no sense that everybody has to follow or is supposed to follow. Um, that, you know, in real world, you would never do something like that. So, yeah. And that's been going on, you know, that when I was in that, my corporate world is all my air force stuff, you know? So it's always like the difference between what they put in the book 
and, and all the regulations and instructions and all that. And, you know, that's, that's like sort of like the story, right? <laughs> and then there's what really happens. And there's exactly. always a big gap, right? Exactly right. Right. Okay. Exactly right. So now um, we can talk about, so you probably worked for a long time because this is mid-career. So um, yeah. we can get into this, uh, your big veer after this corporate merger. So so tell us uh, where you were at in life when that corporate merger happened. Like what, were, what was your life like before the corporate merger happened? Sure. Well, after I left the oil business, I went into the pharmaceutical industry, and I was a brand manager and a global brand strategist for a, a major global pharmaceutical company. Right. Okay. And yeah, and when and then I was recruited to join a a global healthcare agency, uh, an advertising agency that deals in healthcare, and um, was a vice president there, making great, you know, six figure salary. Um, you know, life was great. You know, yeah. I was really progressing. So progressing you're, you're in that successful uh, uh, from the externals. Uh, everything in in the externals are saying, "Wow, he's made it!" Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. But um, but that was a false. You know, that was just a false security and a false uh, success, because what happened during that time was the company was sold to another company. So, wow. uh, so there was, you know, sort of a layer of management that they decided that they didn't, didn't need anymore. So they started uh, downsizing and that was my layer of management. We had the big salaries and the, you know, those kinds of things that they felt like, uh, would be great to, to, you know, to get rid of, not have um, to pay for anymore. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so second thing that was happening was, you know, there was a recession going on at the time. So everybody was really trying to be careful there. And then the third uh, thing that happened was in our industry was, you know, social media was really changing uh, what advertising did and, and how they communicated to people. And pharmaceuticals and healthcare are sort of the last to jump on social media because of the perceived risks of, you know, patients talking and sharing and engaging with each other about drugs and such. So we were very wow. cautious about those kinds of things. So. So all of that to say that um, that's when my shift happened, and it was uh, there was sort of this professional shift. I didn't lose my job, but I realized, you know, it was one of those duh moments that I talked about that I really had not planned out how I got to where I was, and I really had not considered what would be next for me if something happened. So, um, so you said you kind of, did not lose your job. I I, I, I did not. I, okay. I I managed to. Um, make that choice myself. Um, but I, I was sort of, you know, everybody around me was, and I knew I was sort of just a matter of time uh, before okay. it was going to happen. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I didn't want to be in one of those uh, forced shift <laughs> areas where you wanted uh, to take, no you wanted to take control of the shift yourself, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And right. I think that's what, that's what successful people do, right? They, 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 understand, you know, how to take control of their own, you know, own transitions. Um, so anyway, so that was happening. And then there was sort of that personal part of it. I have three kids and three sons and they were all out of the house. One was living in New York city, one was living in Houston and one was living in LA and we were in Columbus, Ohio. And it was the middle of winter and there was four feet of snow on the ground. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, why are we still here? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Right. Okay. um, yeah, it's a great place to live, but we're from Texas, so we uh, made the choice. I made the choice to to uh, to shift 
So, so that's what we did. We found ourselves back down to Texas and I kind of started a new practice and kind of in some ways started over in life, but I wouldn't say that I started over completely because, you know, um, at your age and my age, we have all kinds of experiences and things that we can draw upon uh, to move forward. So, right, right, right. Yeah. It's not a complete do over. And, you know, again, you were, you were sort of like lucky insofar as you saw the writing on the wall, you're like, Whoa. And then that sort of like, like woke you up to the fact that your position was very vulnerable <laughs> yeah. and you had yeah. all of your eggs as far as like income in one basket. Right. Exactly. Right. And I was really at that point thinking that, you know, it's kind of soured on the corporate culture. As okay. Well. Right. Yes. That's, I think that's a common theme <laughs> in this show. It's like, I yes. Refer, yeah. I refer to it as the, is a corporate spin cycle. And uh, you're kind of in this and you're getting spun around and then you get spit out and you're a little bit disoriented. <laughs> you don't know exactly, you know, you've been in it for so long and uh, so much of that life and that, you know, being in a corporate world is regimented and processed and you get spit out and you're all of a sudden, there is no regimen, there is no process, there is no uh, expectation except the expectation that you build for yourself. So it it's, can be a little bit dizzying for some people. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing is, is, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, that you kind of like feel when you're in that corporate sort of like, uh, environment is, is this high level of like, they demand a very high level of loyalty and trust coming from you. You have to be the epitome of the team player and you're you're very sacrificing a lot, um, for this paycheck. And then they're not reciprocating this, <laughs> you know, so exactly as soon right. as some sort of new business environment thing happens, you know, they don't even like blink an eye. It's like, oh, well, we don't, you know, money, it's business Bye. you know, it's like, so there's definitely that sort of like imbalance there, right? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, you know, when you were a, maybe a teenager and you were totally infatuated with a girl and she treated you terribly, but you couldn't drop her, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. You're in, you're in a, a very bad negotiating position just because you're totally in love and infatuated and you'll do anything. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Not a good place to be. No, no. Okay. So, all right. So you moved to Texas and it's now, are you doing your own thing or did you get another job? No, I'm doing my own thing. I still do some consulting with pharmaceutical companies, uh, okay. uh, but I but my main business and what I really my passion and where my uh, future lies is really helping people manage those transitions. And uh, again, my heart is in that because I understand the difficulty and I understand um, how unprepared people can be. Oh and yeah. And so it's just it's just a passion for me to help people kind of figure that path forward. So, okay. So before we get into the four life shifts, let's briefly talk about these, uh, the five core principles in your book, the shift principles. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious. So, because it sounds like these, you may have discovered some of the universals. So in, in which case they should sound familiar, but I'm not familiar. So let's go through them. Yeah, I think they will sound familiar. And I I do believe that everybody will understand them when they hear them, but right. mastering them is sort of a different thing. So, right, right. 
Yeah, so shift principle. Let me tell you about the book first. Uh, the shift principle. A uh, shift uh, is a business storybook. So I don't know if you know who Patrick Lencioni is. Um, no, he writes sorry. A lot of books. He speaks all over the world. Uh, he owns a consulting company and called the Table Group, I think, in San Francisco area. And um, so this is the style of book he writes. So it's a story. It's got a character. The character is going through these uh, career changes. And in the course of trying to figure out his career and his life, he meets a person who shares these five shift principles. And through the book and through understanding what these principles are, it, you know, it's a happy Hollywood ending. He uh, is able to make those kinds of transitions and achieve what he wants to achieve in life. Okay. So that's, that's sort of how the book runs. I, and, I like it. Uh, it's got a narrative structure. That's fun. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a hero's journey for sure. Perfect. So. Um, so, but shift is an acronym for five principles. And so very quickly, the S is for seek advice and, um, you know, nobody succeeds by themselves, right? Right. So no such thing as there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. We all need people around us that that are going to surround us and help us achieve what we need to achieve. Right. And I always talk about, you know, that's true throughout history. You know, King Arthur had his court, Mm. Robin Hood had his merry men. You know, Jesus had his disciples. The president right. has his cabinet. Yeah. You know, there's always people who have to surround you and that you need to choose carefully based on what your needs are, where your gaps are, what you're trying to achieve. And those are the people that you need to have around you to help you get where you need to go. And so part of what we do in our consulting and, and in our courses is helping people understand who those types of people are they need to have around them, how to recruit them and how to help them help you. That's, so that's, that, that's good. That's good advice. You know, I like, so that. that's, yeah. So that's, uh, that is seek advice. Second is, uh, honor your past. And, um, so what we mean by honor your past is, you know, you and I all, you, especially people our age, you and me, we all have traveled a long way in life and in our careers. And so we're carrying a lot of baggage, right? Right. And some of that, some of that baggage is good baggage and some of it is not so good baggage. Sure. And so what, what we try to do is help people open up the bags, look and see what has the milestones in their life, the, the successes that they've had, help them figure out what it is, that, what success they need to – how to understand that success and how to carry that success forward into their future, but also to look at where they might have had some failures or disappointments or setbacks and look at those and break those open and figure out why those, you know, failures or, or setbacks or challenges happen and um, determine whether or not some of that you need to leave behind, but some of that you need to learn from and carry forward too. Right. So right. I, I like it. Yeah. So I believe that every, you know, every failure isn't a sort of a singular thing. If you break open a failure, you might find a lot of nuggets of success. Oh yeah. There's buried it. treasure in that. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. So we try to help you figure out what that buried treasure is so that you can use that moving forward as well. So that is, uh, that is the honest, right. Okay. The eye is investigate your options. So that is about, you know, successful people know, have a very clear vision of where they want to go, but they right. also know there's multiple ways to get there. Mm. So most of us people, you know, schmucks like me, uh, <laughs> they, they know where they want to go. And they try to take the, the, the fastest and the most direct route to get there. And then when we get stuck, we quit or turn back 
and we are we just never make it. You know, we never make it past that. That happens to a lot to to entrepreneurs, I think, or people who want to be entrepreneurs. Um, so we try to you know try to help you figure out that path and how to get around those barriers. And um, the you know there's a couple ways to do that. So a lot of times taking that first step is really the hardest on your journey to what you're trying to achieve because it just seems either so insignificant that you'll never get there or it seems so scary because it's the start of everything. Right. Uh, so a couple ways we approach that one is to go, we help some people go backwards. So instead of trying to go forward from the starting point to the end, we try to take the end and go backwards. And what the benefit of that is, is that if you can know what you're trying to achieve and it's clear and if you can say, okay, this is what I want to achieve. What is the, the last thing I need to do in order to achieve that? And then what is the thing before that and the thing before that and mm. the thing before that? You can work your way all the way down to the beginning. It's kind of like the how begin- they write a novel, right? You start from the end, yeah. work backwards. I like it. And then the beginning has a lot more meaning because it's tied to – you've already envisioned what the end is, looks like. and You've already envisioned going backwards how you're going to get there. So the end doesn't – I mean so the beginning doesn't seem quite so – scary to you because and disconnected because you can see exactly how it's going to help you get where you're trying to go. I like it. That's good. Yeah. Investigate your opportunities. I love it. Yeah. F is focused on your why. There's a lot of stuff about that. Simon Sinek and all, you know, all of that. And so, oh, yeah. the, so the thing that we really talk about that is, you know, your why doesn't have to be this big, gigantic mm. thing that's changed the world. It probably you know, shouldn't be. <laughs> Yeah, so there are very few people who can change the world in right. global. Yeah, that's a huge yeah. lesson that I that I think is is like, I just heard somebody else on another podcast. Um, he's got, I think it's called Humans of New York. It's like a really popular podcast or blog. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and this guy told this story on the Tim Ferriss podcast about how he got bogged down just in that. It's like I I realized I was doing these things that I wanted to change the world. And, uh, and I was wasting time instead of getting good at something. <laughs> I was like, sure. wow, that's yeah. really smart. What he just said there. I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah. And when, you know, if you're something like that, it's, it's so daunting. We want, we all want to have significance, but what we try to say is, you know, you, you want to have, you need to have significance within your sphere of influence. So it may be your purpose in life is maybe to be the best business owner you can be or the best father or the best husband or whatever, you know, focus on a purpose that is within your sphere of, of influence. And, right. and then, you know, maybe, maybe there's something beyond that, but, but go there first. Um, and then the other thing that we talk about that is really finding not just your why, but your who. Okay. So your why should, we think should be attached to a who, because if you achieve something just for yourself, it's going to be sort of an empty purpose. You know, it's not going to be satisfying at the end. Mm. So we we kind of try to do a lot of investigating about who is your who? Who is it that you want to serve and to impact, you know, with your why? So, mm. right. so there's that. I like it. And then the, and then the last one is uh, take ownership. And that is that's the most important one. because you know, you That can, is huge. You can you can have all the people around you that you need. You can understand where you're trying to go all you can have your purpose but if you don't take action if you don't own it then then you won't succeed so mm-hmm. owning it is owning the decisions owning the processes owning the results not blaming others uh figuring out you know how to make it happen you know right. man up yeah yeah do, 
It yeah. is. That's probably the. I'm glad you put it last because it's the hardest. The it is the most difficult. You can't start there. <laughs> no, it should be no. last. Yes, it should be last. I, I don't know if it, it if there's this progression if it actually goes in in the five phases like that. But it went. If you start at hey, you have to own that. It, people will back down. Like I don't know what you're talking about. You're full of shit. <laughs> right. It is a tough pill to swallow for most people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think you know, I don't think these are sequential, except for maybe the last one, like you said. Right. Because I think all of these principles are interrelated. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So. And and especially like um, the seek advice and the take ownership, I think definitely go together. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when it comes to like, I think some of the hardest thing, one of the hardest things for me to take ownership of, was like maintenance of my body <laughs> if that makes sense right if if there's something that hurts or i'm sick or it's like i want to own all of that i don't want to say oh i'm a victim and oh you know oh i just yeah. have to sit here right no 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 nobody is more interested in my health and well-being and physical you know ability to move you know than me Right now, obviously, I'm I need lots of help with that. Right. I need doctors. I might need a massage therapist or a physical therapist or a dentist or whoever, whatever, somebody to cut my hair, everything. Right. I don't need yep. to do all of it, but I need to own it all, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It does. Yeah. Um, a little it's a little bit of story from my childhood. My mother was one who did not abide. She did not put up with whiny kids. Good. Um, That's good. <laughs> That's and awesome. There were, <laughs> and, there, and there were four of us. So she had a rule called the 24-hour rule. And if any of us had any sort of setback, you know, we didn't make the soccer team or, you know, for my sisters, a boy broke up with them, you know, whatever that little crisis that happens, she would always say, you've got 24 hours to whine and be sad about it. But tomorrow when that 24 hours is up, you got to make a plan to move forward. So I've kind of taken that as sort of my thing um, that, you know, we all deserve, I guess, a little bit of time to mourn whatever loss it is, but you can't, you can't dwell on it. You can't wallow in it. You've got to, um, you know, you got to accept it and move forward. So that's a good rule. I like that. The 24 hour rule. I'm putting that one in the book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was a tough pill for me to swallow when I was in the air force too, because they'll, they'll beat that into you like constantly every day of, you know, shut up, no whining, shut up, (laughs) get over it. Okay. Go have a hissy fit. Come back in five minutes and, and, and stop whining. Okay. You know, things like that. But it's it's odd to me when you when you're hanging out with folks um, that haven't in, sort of like uh, embraced that lesson of not whining and it's like I, I have a low tolerance for whining now. So yeah, why do you think? <laughs> right, right. I'm like, oh, it's, you know what? I, how about we get together tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I, I get it. Yep. So, you know, so that's my rule. And so those are the five shift principles. And that's what we that's what the book kind of talks about through the character in his his travails. But it also is sort of how we uh, handle our coaching and our, um, you know, our classes and those things. Gotcha. So, so the last thing we need to hit that we teased in the beginning was these four life shifts. 
So it's, it sounds like they're like phases in life that everybody goes through, right? Yeah, they are. And what's, what's I think interesting about it is you'll recognize all of these, of course, but we don't think about them. And if you, if you kind of know that there are four things that you're probably going to go through in your life and you keep that sort of in your head and, you, and your understanding, when they happen to you, you're not surprised. Okay. And maybe, maybe you've had some time to think about them or you, um, you know, sometimes to consider, you know, how to move forward. And the shift principles can help you move forward in all of those. So I don't want to confuse people with the five shift principles and these four sort of life stages, but, but they do, do go hand in hand. So I'll just describe what those are for you. The sure. first one I, I call the life stage shift. And those are sort of those uh, changes in life that are sort of institutional, the things that are under our control. Um, okay. They're easily identified. So an example of that might be, you know, your change from being a child to an adult, from career to college to career, from dating to marriage to empty nesters, you know, those kinds of changes that are sort of societal changes. Everybody kind of goes through them. Right. You can see tons of examples of them. You can um, you kind of know generally what the expectations are, you know, if you're going from college to a career or if you're going from dating to marriage. So there's not a lot of mystery around them in a sense. But, you, you know, in the details are, are where the where the issue. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. You but think I call you those know, like, maybe. Yeah. So you have choices. You don't have to get married. You don't have to be a parent. You know, right. you don't have to retire even. But but it is sort of a fundamental sort of societal kind of uh, shift that we all go through. Um, the second one I call self-directed shifts. Those are things, transitions that happen when we choose to change a situation. So right. it's totally self-directed. So it's based on, you know, our desire to self-improve or um, some other goal. So a common example of that might be, you know, transitioning into a new healthy lifestyle. You talked about that a while ago. So you realize that you're not where you need to be in your health so you make a decision. You self-direct yourself to be healthier. Um, a lot of times that happens because we're dissatisfied with our status quo, mm. and we want to make a change that's good for us, and we, we have total control over that. Right. The third I call unexpected shifts. Those are the transitions, and they could be either positive or negative, but the key hallmark is that while you may not have seen that trans, uh, transition coming or that shift coming, you have some control over whether you, you accept right. Yeah, whether you accept it or not. So an example would be, you know, maybe you were promoted, maybe, you know, you worked in you work in Las Vegas and the defense company you work for decided they're going to close that branch office and they're telling you that they want to promote you but you have to move to New Jersey. Well, that's that was unexpected to you and you can accept it or not. It's right. your choice. Right. But it's yeah, but you see it's that. It's like an external so, that you have power over. Exactly right. Exactly. Well, and you have power fourth, over all of them, I suppose, but it's whether or not you realize it, right? Yes, exactly right. And some of it you have more control over than, than others, so uh, decision-making abilities. And the last one I call is forced shifts, mm. and those are life-changing transitions that we may not see coming or that, that take us completely by surprise. And you don't have and a I lot of control, maybe. No control. So they are the hardest to navigate, I think, because of, the, of that apparent lack of personal control or limited options. So an example that might be a sudden loss of a job, right? right? You didn't see it coming. It just you got called into HR one day and it's, it happened. Um, an untimely death or an illness of a loved one, maybe right. a spouse. Right. Uh, you have no control over that. It just happens. But um, 
you know, you have to deal with it. Uh, a third one might be a sudden shift in fortunes. You know, that takes a lot of people down when they've made a good you know, amount of money and then they've lost it all. Mm, so right. those, those are forced shifts. And those are shifts that, again, we have no control over what happened, but we have every bit of control about what we do with it and how we move forward. Right, and right. so in all of these, these are, you know, these are the four shifts that I identify that are pretty common to all of us. And we'll probably experience one kind or another throughout our life, multiple times throughout our life. And the shift principles can help us understand those and how to kind of work through those and master those changes as they happen. Yeah. You know, everybody like, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. You always think everything's going to be like this all the way to the end, which we all kind of know is not true. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of what this show is all about, really, is like, um, you know, you can do your best to, you know, take care of yourself and, you know, save for the future and, you know, try to you know, do do right by others and get a good career going on. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you never know what's going to happen. You know, life can just drop a bomb on your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I, I kind of like to say, you know, shift happens. Yes, you know? it does. And... <laughs> and and it, it happens to all of us. And it's, you know, the, the shift principles are meant to help you and empower you to be able to have some sort of control and have some sort of governance over, you know, your life and your future and your success. Hey, I, uh, this has been a blast. This has been fun. So let's talk uh, as we wrap up. Let's tell people how they can best get in touch with John Hinkle. Oh, that's great. Well, you can go to our website, which is www.shiftprinciples.com. And for your, and you know, the book is available on Amazon. It's also available in bookstores across the country. If it's not on the shelf, you can always go up to the desk and ask for it because it's available um, anywhere. And that's called Um, Shift, Moving from Where You Are to the Life You Want. Did I get that right? That's that's right. Okay. You got it. And you've got got the uh, picture of the Ferrari on the cover, yeah. right? It's shifting yeah, gears. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, but otherwise for your audience, I wanted to offer something special and, and thank them for listening in. So if they would like to go to www.shiftprinciples.com forward slash VVV, uh, we've got some bonus offers for them. So one is we've got an infograph that they can download, uh, the fourth shift principles. So, you know, it's, it's good to hear them, but it's nice to have them sort of in front of you. Yeah. Um, secondly, they can um, get a free book, and we'll, you know, if you pay for shipping, we'll send you a free book, um, a shift book. Wow. And then, nice. the, and then, yeah. And then the third is that uh, I'm offering a free thirty-minute uh, discovery call. So if anybody is who's listening thinks you know you want to hear more about shift or you want to share what's going on in your life and see if it may be something that uh, that we could work together on i'd be thrilled to have somebody call and to kind of talk through what's going on in their life with them so www.shiftprinciples.com/vvv for vroom vroom veer perfect that's, exactly that's the best <laughs> awesome hey john this has been a blast Hey, Jeff, it has been a blast. So thanks, a lot for having me on. thanks man. Say, yeah, say hi to mom. It will do. And uh, I, I'm sorry for all the technical glitches, but we got through it. We got through it. It was a bit of pleasure. So. Th- thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.